Welcome to the Skyline Church Podcast. I'm Jonathan Middlebrooks, one of the pastors here at Skyline Church. Skyline is a worshiping community, a disciple-making community, and a generational community. We're committed to seeing revival in our city sparked through the presence of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. These sermons are specific to that purpose and in the context of our unique community. We hope that it might bless you in some way. Enjoy. We are going to be back in Proverbs, um, and we're talking about the power of the tongue. Um, Proverbs has a lot to say about our words. I don't know if you've noticed, but it actually has more to say about our speech and how we use our words than anything else it addresses in our lives. Um, So we're just going to go quickly through some of the scriptures that Proverbs has. Um, In 10.11, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. When there are many words, sin is unavoidable, but the one who controls his lips is prudent. Whoever speaks the truth declares what is right, but a false witness speaks deceit. There's one who speaks rashly like a piercing sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue that heals is a tree of life, but a devious tongue breaks the spirit. A person takes joy in giving an answer, in a timely word, how good that is. The mind of the righteous person thinks before answering, but the mouth of the wicked blurts out evil things. Pleasant words are a honeycomb sweet to the taste and health to the body. A worthless person digs up evil, but his, and his speech is like scorching fire. A contrary person spreads conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. The words of a person's mouth are deep waters, a flowing river, a foundation of wisdom. The one who gives an answer before he listens, this is foolishness and disgrace for him. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. 24.16, he who gives an honest answer gives a kiss on the lips. A gossip's words are like choice food that goes down to one's innermost being. Um, So our words have so much power power to create and build and heal, but also to destroy and kill. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Words can penetrate straight to the heart, and their effects can live longer even than the person who spoke them. Clearly, as Christians, we should be concerned about how we speak. Raymond Ortland Jr. writes in Proverbs Wisdom that works, when we become Christians, we enter a new culture where we surrender that right to complete freedom of speech. We stop blurting out whatever we feel. We bring our words under the judgment of God's word. Um, I've got on the screen, Tim Keller gave a really great talk about our words in his podcast library. Um, and he outlines five char- characteristics of speech that we both need to hear, receive, and to give. First is truthful, honest speech rather than deceptiveness. Kind and gentle speech rather than harshness wise and apt or timely speech rather than carelessness, forthright and courageous speech rather than gossip, 
an economical speech rather than impulsiveness. So if you're like me, hearing these goals for our words might be a little bit discouraging. Um, that list is more likely to highlight all the ways that you failed instead of ways that you've succeeded in our speech. And there's kind of both sides of the pendulum. If you're a truthful, direct person, you may tend to not work enough on the kindness and the gentleness and the timeliness of your words. And if you are really concerned about kindness and gentleness and timing, then there can be a tendency not to be transparent and courageous and direct. But we need both kinds of words. Wise words are not just about being silent and not speaking. It's about knowing when to speak and when to be silent and how to speak life into those around us. Proverbs deals with the words that we speak. And in our life, we'll speak many words and we'll have many words spoken over us. Derek Kinder writes, what is done to you is of little account besides what is done in you, for good or ill. So words don't just do something to you, they do something in you, in your heart and in your soul. So this is a problem if we're trying to acquire wise speech, because if you're simply trying to lay wise speech over a wound or a lie in your soul, you're going to fail a lot and get really discouraged. Um, Rob Reamer gives this illustration of a beach ball. So if you're in a pool and you're trying to push a beach ball underwater, you might be able to succeed for a little bit, but at some point it's going to pop out and you can't control when or where it's going to go. I feel like our words can be kind of like that. If we have hurt or wounds buried in our heart, there's going to be times where we just erupt and it's always not controllable when or where it happens. Jesus speaks to this in Matthew 12. He says, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by the fruit. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. So whatever is in your heart is eventually going to come out. Willpower just isn't enough here. So if you, even if you manage to maintain outwardly wise speech through self-discipline and willpower, it still doesn't deal with the stuff that's in your heart. And Christianity isn't just about discipline. God doesn't ask us to just try harder. Jesus promises freedom and joy. He says that we'll have an easy yoke, not a heavy burden. First Peter um, 1 says that we have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this, is the, this word is the good news that was preached to us. So that's how God renews all of us. He, the Holy, um, he puts his living word in us, and Jesus is the only thing that heals our hearts, and therefore our mouths. We need the Holy Spirit at work in us for us to be people who speak wise words that give life. I thought about it this weekend. Have you ever noticed that the first thing the Holy Spirit did when he came to indwell the disciples on Pentecost was that he touched their tongues? Their words changed. Not just the sound and the composition, but the content. They were praising Jesus, and everyone around them was touched and changed. The Holy Spirit invites us to partner with him to create streams of life in a really barren cultural landscape. Does anybody remember um, John Krasinski's Some Good News? It was like in the height of the pandemic and everything was doom and gloom and depressing and then he came on with some good news and it was like, oh, it was just this like breath of air. Um, 
But I just thought, shouldn't that be the main message that Christians take into the world? Hey, we've got some good news. My grandpa, you guys probably heard this before, but he would be like at a gas station or, you know, check on just say like, have you heard the wonderful news about Jesus Christ? And just share good news everywhere it went. So showcasing the gospel was the motive behind Paul's exhortation in Colossians 4. He said, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders, towards non-Christians, and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Our conversation matters. Um, One way that the Holy Spirit uses us to speak life into those around us is through prophetic words. Which, if you haven't grown up in a church that operates in the prophetic ministry, that can seem kind of strange and a little bit scary. But we're not talking about telling the future or predictions. Um, 1 Corinthians 14 says simply, it's the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says that the Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's words to him. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother, and his own heart is uncertain. His brother's is sure. So how do we speak God's word to others? We need to spend time reading and memorizing God's word so that we can be people who know God's word in our heart and speak God's words to each other. Um, So lastly, if you've had painful words or lies spoken to you in the past, and I'm sure that's probably all of us, we all have some word that was spoken to us that kind of got in our hearts and planted a seed that is a lie that has given us some direction in our life, whether for good or bad. Um, Those can cut really deeply. And I've heard statements even from Christians that I like and respect that, you know, I think it almost is a warning to hate, don't speak harmful words, but it's like the damage from words can never be fully healed. Or harmful words are like toxic chemicals that seep into the ground and can never be cleaned away. It's like, and I just want to say that Jesus can absolutely heal our pain. He can heal every word and he promises freedom and life abundant to those who believe in him and he means it. Um, Hebrews 12 says that the new covenant speaks a better word over your life than the one that was spoken before. Our friend Rob Reamer writes in Soul Care that it's important for us to believe that God can redeem the pain in our life. Not that God sent it or caused it, but that God can redeem it. He turns the arrows of the enemy meant to destroy us into the scalpels of the great physician meant to heal us. It gives us hope in every circumstance. So God knows you. He's pretty smart and he knows more than we do. And he knows what memories or words need to be revisited. And if there's any lies that you've believed about yourself or about him. And he knows how to bring healing to the internal wounds beneath them. So you can approach this healing on your own, but sometimes it's really beneficial to have others who are sensitive to the Spirit's leadings to pray with you. Friends who are familiar with healing prayer, and we've got a team of people who've been trained to guide people in prayer like this, and I would encourage you to sign up for a SOZO, um, and we've got a soul care class that's great too. Um, So if that's something that you're interested in, we also have a prayer team that they'll kind of linger afterwards. So, and I had this thought this morning, I said at the beginning that words can last longer than even the person who spoke them, and sometimes it feels like there might be healing that you can't achieve because you can never have reconciliation with this person, but God can bring healing to those places that seem untouchable. And so if that's you and you want prayer or want someone to talk with you, I just encourage you to seek out someone on our prayer team or schedule SOZO. And I promise at the very least you'll be blessed just by intentional time in God's presence.
So I'm going to invite the band back up. Um, so here's the word that can set you free. The issue of your value is settled at the cross. On the cross, the Father said to you and me that you are of infinite worth. He declared us to be worthy of his son's blood. He says to you, you are my beloved child. With you, I am well pleased. Hear that and let it resonate in your soul. You are my beloved child. With you, I am well pleased. The word that Jesus has spoken over you, over your past and over your future, is clean. I love um, where Annie went with that. And as we were just talking this week about words, and I, I think there is just this thing in us that is like this religious impulse to think that our job is to get better at speaking first. Like, right? Like, and it, if you're like me, this is, maybe you're not, but like, this has been like the main issue of my life has been like taming the tongue, like bringing my words under the discipline of God. And so much of it was just failure. It was just trying really hard and screwing up and feeling terrible and trying really hard. And it wasn't until I got to the point where I realized like, oh, like God wants to meet me here with grace in my heart. And the more I live and just breathe in the grace of God, my speech starts to reflect what's inside, right? As always, I was trying to be wise rather than just to meet God and let him work in my heart. And that's one of the things we just want to over and over again at Skyline, we want to, the new covenant is just such a key thing, right? It's this thing of we're trading performance for grace. And I love that Annie, Annie and I talked to, I was like, there's, there's the words that you speak and there's the words that are spoken over you and there's the word that Jesus speaks over you. And he says, that, he said, the word I've spoken over you is clean. And what's interesting with the apostles, that was before he died on the cross. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? He's like, I've already spoken, you're clean. I've washed you with my word. Now I'm going to pay the penalty on the cross. You're clean. You don't have to worry about that anymore. You don't have to uh, agonize over it. And so we just want to be wise people. And we want to go back to wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is what? Fear of the Lord. It's, it's this thing with him and us together.